Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me. Tara, how are you? I am so good. Like, I, we were just talking, and I was like, I drink from a fire hose of greatness. So fire hose, yes, but greatness. <laughs> so we'll take it. You excuse greatness, my friend. Your energy is so beautiful, and I can feel it all the way on the East Coast from the West Coast. So there we go. <laughs> Mutual. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. My goodness. I was mentioning on our call prior to this, I've been looking forward to having you because I've read up all about you. You know, kind of like fangirling. I love meeting (laughs) successful women who are just like beast mode. So, and that's exactly you. And you are doing so many beautiful things for the world. And I just can't wait to hear your story today. Honestly, I'm like super excited. Yeah. And the plot, you know, I'm all about that plot twist in life. (laughs) So it never, it ever ends. It never ends. And we're great. You know, we're grateful. It never ends. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like, where do I, where do I even start with you? I mean, like your journey is insanely beautiful and I'm just, I'm just so grateful to have you here today. And I, I'm going to start you off with a pretty loaded question. So All right, bring it, bring it. Let's do it. So what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? Oh, possibility. You know, I mean, listen, you told me I could say just what is truly on my heart. Mm-hmm. What is on my heart is that when I look at humans Do you remember like those Renaissance paintings where everybody in the painting had kind of like a gold halo? Mm -hmm. That's what I see when I see people everywhere, kind of my whole life. Like one of my, you know, my zone of genius, if you want to call it that, is that I can really look at someone and almost no matter what their current situation or state is right now, I can see that they, I believe all of us are made out of the higher powers and forces that some of us call God, love, intelligence, creative power. I think every human is made of that. And I can see it when they can't see it. And I can see how they can go from here to there when they can't see it. That's been my inspiration through so many different, no matter what industry I worked in. I mean, I have a master's degree in psychology. I was a lawyer for a while. I was a real estate broker for a while. I had a career in tech marketing. I was a CMO for an app company called My Fitness Pal, which a lot of people have heard of. Now I run a personal growth and coaching company, but slash for most of my people, it's like their spiritual community too. No matter what it was, I could see the possibility and the beauty and the intelligence and the power in people. And I could see that the sort of transformation arc that they can't see yet. And that's deeply, and that has been deeply inspiring. And also seeing that most of the time, the the only thing that is stopping people from making that transformation from their pain to their bliss is really like internalized repression. It's really self-sabotage. It's really like rooted in fear almost all the time. Whether you're a real estate broker watching your people make decisions where you're like, yo, (laughs) 
this is not the this ain't it guys I'm trying to tell you you know what I mean right um or you're you know a fitness trainer being like you know these people come in and we all know that we gotta move you know eat less and exercise more is not rocket science it's kind of just how it works but people have a really hard time they know what to do they know what to do they just have a really hard time getting themselves to do it and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is rooted in fear it's rooted in cultural programming it's rooted in childhood conditioning and it's not because those things are just habits of thought they are also habits we, you know, we created those habits through practice and focus, and we can uncreate those habits of thought through practice and focus. And that is inspiring to me because I'm like, yo, what if the whole, what would the world look like if everybody could catch their inspirations and their callings and understand their possibilities and just step into them? this already is a beautiful world and it would be a really, you know, that's how human evolution happens is when people start being able to do their dreams. So that's my big inspiration. And that's my sort of calling is to help people be their big selves and do their big dreams before they die. You know what I mean? I think we all get there eventually, if you're really willing to just like, let it play out. But I think there's some acceleration that I can offer to people and that that's my jam. I love that. I love that. And like your background is incredibly diverse and I love your passion for what you do and like seeing the light in other people. You're, you're what I call the beautiful cheerleaders in this life that make all the difference, right? The ones we that- all need them. Oh, oh my God, they make all the difference because when you have somebody in your ear saying, I believe that you can, it suddenly like you're more motivated to do it because of them and not even necessarily for yourself, you know? And so I- and it's cool love- to like, I appreciate that you're saying that because I do think that especially American culture has a really, there is a really dysfunctional narrative of over-independence or like you get an A plus in life for doing hard things by yourself. And you actually don't, you actually don't. Nothing great and big and important and beautiful or beautiful, even small and beautiful in this world. Very few works of art, whatever the art is, life is an art. Very few of those things are actually ever created on our own, but our cultures kind of taught us that we have to do them on our own. So I think it's like really cool if somebody needs to borrow from me my belief in them for a minute I'm good with that a hundred percent and the crazy thing is you said that you've always seen this in people you've always seen this halo you've always seen this light so like I'm interested like as a kid what did you want to be when you grew up because like you are just taking over the world (laughs) I literally thought I was in charge of the world when I was a child (laughs) (laughs) my grandmother both taught me you know she created what I call our lineage the lineage of the blessers my grandmother was a blesser and like, you know, people think of like sweet granny, like, you know, feed you a lot of food. She did all that. She was all about that. And blessing, like the original meaning of the word blessing was to confer prosperity on, like when you bless someone, you confer prosperity on them. Wow. And she meant, she was a little bit of like a, she was a black church lady but I think she was kind of like a metaphysician, like a cosmic metaphysician masquerading as a black church lady, <laughs> you know? So she just, she had that. And I think I received this lineage really as like a transmitted lineage from her. She had this real ability to look at people and see the best in them and call it forth. 
And she didn't, you know, have all fra- like me frameworks from neurobiology and depth psychology and Jungian this and that and, and like new thought, you know, spiritual law. She didn't do all that, but she did know that she she would tell me if I when I moved out of town, she would and I would come visit. She would say, "Just drive by on your way out so I can lay my eyes on you." She would just want to just you know just call forth, and she would she was big on the spiritual mic drop. She would just say these like little things that would, you know, really shift things for you. And she also recognized that because I had that trait in my wiring too, there is a, as a young child, I really didn't like other kids. (laughs) (laughs) I really was in the preschool posted up with the teachers at coffee time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And she, one thing she did do a lot was she would say, you know, she called me Tara Barra, you know, Tara Barra. You know how I talked to you about giving it to God? Well, it seems like you gave it to God and took it right back. <laughs> so she had, she recognized in me that sometimes that blessing and coaching really, like that's what coaching is, is evoking, you know, evoking potential from people. She recognized that there was a potential shadow side to that of falling under the influence of the belief that you're the director of the universe, Right. There can be like a little thread of codependency even in it where you like are spinning all of the plates for all of the people and actually crippling the people around you because you're not requiring them to do what they, you know, to learn action and consequence and all of that. So I always, as a child, I thought I, we knew I would be an entrepreneur for sure. Cause I did try to sell my brother in the grocery store when he was born. And I asked $25, which I think is pretty like, that's actually... My pricing was pretty good. I was five. It was 1980. (laughs) I was in the grocery store being like, this kid's really cute. Somebody should buy him and take him off our hands. We knew I would be an entrepreneur. We thought I might be a doctor. It's funny that people think I'm a doctor still, which I'm really not. I mean, I'm very much an amateur doctor, but yeah, we thought I would be a doctor. I thought I would be a professor. And I think those things are not that far off. I mean, I am an entrepreneur. I certainly am a metaphysician. I certainly, I run a school, a personal growth school, but you know, the entrepreneur in me doesn't just let me go be a professor somewhere. I have to make a school, Yeah, (laughs) create the school because there's no school that teaches exactly like what I teach. So yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I realized I would spend as, I'd be as much of a writer as I am. I definitely always thought whatever I did would have a lot of like public speaking to it because I loved to speak. I loved to perform, but in that kind of a way, you know, mm-hmm. I played every instrument and all that, but that was never my thing. It was more like speech choir and stuff. I loved that kind of stuff. So yeah, Little Tarot was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just so fascinating to see because it always ties in with your childhood somehow, which is so cool. And like, your journey is just so fascinating to me because like the realms that you're in now versus like where you started. So like, I'd love to hear kind of like the trajectory of the journey yeah. as it kind of unfurled and kind of what happened throughout the process. It was wild. Like I never in a million years would have thought, nobody would have thought that I'd end up what doing exactly what I'm doing, but that's kind of because I ended up creating this career that's very bespoke to me. And I think also technology really I'm fascinated with this fact that the 50-year-old who will live to be a a healthy 150-year-old is already alive. Like the pace of medical technology and digital technology 
acceleration has created so many career opportunities that didn't even exist when I was a kid. So I was, I grew up in California in the Central Valley in like kind of farmland, corporate farmland (laughs) and oil country, super religious background growing up, went to a Pentecostal day school five days a week and a missionary Baptist church on the weekends. And I was always like a super great student. And I got pregnant when I was 16. It was obviously very formative. I I knew my high school principal really well. And I remember going to her and being like, so here's the thing that's happening. <laughs> what do we think we're going to do about this? And she was like, you know, I was so bored out of my school in high school. I had been taking junior college classes at night just to do something. She was like, yeah, you've had credits enough to graduate for a while. <laughs> like you literally can graduate today. Because I had been taking these classes, I didn't even, I wasn't trying to graduate early, but so I only did three years of high school, graduated early. In that same meeting, that principal made a call to our local university and a couple phone calls later, and I was admitted to college. I had not taken any of, I never took the SAT. I never took the, I I have a master's degree in a law degree from UC Berkeley. I never took the the SAT. She just called and was like, I have this student with a 4.3 who's like five months pregnant. What can can you guys do? And they let me into school and found a local company that was willing to pay for my education. Wow. And they paid, not only did they pay for my education, they assigned me a mentor who was another psychology department professor. I was a psychology major and she had been a young mom too, and still ended up getting, you know, her doctorate degree. And so I remember going to meet her as like, a black teenager. I was probably six months pregnant. My parents were well-to-do. It was really like outrageous in my community that I was like choosing that path. And I remember her like just talking, she's just like talking in this conversation. And it was almost like she did to me then what I do to people now. It was like, there was a moment when she kind of like got me. It was like this real tone change where she was like, all right, So you're going to start here in the fall and we're going to do all these things to help you get through school and I'll give you a research assistant job and like, we'll make sure that your kids have childcare and da da da. But I can tell from this conversation that you will need to go to grad school too. So I'm also going to do all of these. It was wild. So she like set me up to start publishing in peer reviewed journals when I was like 16, 17, 18 years old. I mean, it was bananas the opportunities and doors that she opened because she did what I can do, which is she saw the possibility. And she was like, I want to be the evoker of that. I want to be the the lever that helps her fulfill that. And that's really life-changing, especially when you've made like what other people think of as a mistake or like have yeah. you know diverted from your course in life. So I did a bachelor's and master's degrees at Cal State University, Bakersfield. I still sit on the board of trustees for the university now today <laughs> at 47 years old. So over 30 years later, I moved to, I did an, F, an internship at the FBI Academy in Quantico where I became kind of enamored with the idea of going to law school, thought I might be a law professor. I married my son's father and he had a very young child that I ended up adopting. So I ended up with like the two boys really close in age. They were 12 months apart. They're now 30 and 31. And I moved them by my, I got divorced from their dad and moved both of the boys up here to the Bay Area and went to law school, put myself through law school as a personal trainer, had another million miracle events where people spoke life into me, paid for my school, 
paid for my childcare, paid for my education. Like it was just a stack of miracles that other humans were the conduits for. And so I actually practiced law for a couple of years. I represented a couple of bad Apple realtors while I was practicing the law. And I was like, yo, real, my dad was a real estate investor. I was always very comfortable with real estate. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like this, I would be good at this job. <laughs> I would be really good at this job. And like a lot of realtors do care a lot, actually. And I thought, I thought it was kind of the same level of career as lawyer. It's like trusted advisor. You know, it's like the biggest transaction people will ever do in their lives. It's really important. So I left my job as a lawyer to become a real estate broker. And I, it was almost like my first experience of real kind of like consumer insights research, just being in the car with a bunch of buyers. <laughs> and it was like at the top of the market, not this last time, but the time before that, before the Great Recession, right? So it was in like 2004, five kind of era. Mm -hmm. And so you could see people making the decisions that would lead to the Great Recession. Like you could see it happening. And I was like, there's gotta be a different way. Well, my master's degree had been in the psychology of curriculum design. So I knew a lot about learning and behavior and change. And so I thought, I think I can help people make better decisions. And so I made this kind of curriculum for my real estate home buyers that was like a little bit how to do a transaction, but a lot like what to expect and mindset management and like lifestyle design. Yeah. Right. And I would guide people through it. And people who had bought like home, many homes in the past were like, this is kind of a game changer. Like this is really, you know, working for me and, and empowering me and deactivating a lot of the emotional charge to the transaction that makes people kind of make their bad decisions. So I turned that curriculum into a seminar. Uh, I turned that seminar into a book. I self-published that book. I did a janky round of PR on that book. I got a hit in the New York Times. I got a call from HGTV asking if they could license my book and turn it into this website they were doing at the time called frontdoor.com. They hired me as a digital marketing consultant and a spokesperson. They media trained me, put me on. I went to New York every quarter. I was still selling real estate in the Bay Area. I went to New York every quarter and I would work with their PR team to turn like the questions I was hearing in the car and the you know articles that we had broken my book up into, into yeah. content and content campaigns and media campaigns. And that was kind of how I ended up in marketing was like learning how to use a spokesperson myself and content and data and all these things to drive a digital, you know, drive people to a website, basically. So I worked for them for several years and then Trulia.com recruited me away from there. So I went in-house, stopped selling real estate, became their like head of content marketing, essentially created the rent versus buy index, ended up at a, their, I went then to work for their PR agency. And that was fun because it was like the first time I wasn't the spokesperson, but I still got to do, you know, the same kinds of things like turn spokespeople and content into digital business results. And eventually, you know, I had some more plot twists where I ended up running my own consulting firm like that, wrote a book about the transformational consumer and ended up working as the chief marketing officer for my fitness pal kind of in that same time. And we were, I was there two years. We grew from 45 million customers to 120 million customers in that time. We were acquired by Under Armour for about a half billion dollars. Not all of which was mine, but enough was that I could go ride my bike in Croatia for a few months after that. So, so I did that. And then when I left, it was really clear when I, you know, kind of was rested, it became really clear to me that the next frontier of transformation would be in our well-being. 
So I started the company that I run now. It's called Soul Tour. We are a we're a personal, we're a training company, a coaching company. We run courses. We're a personal growth company. And it's really where I call our people like ambitious spiritual maximalists. Our people are smart and successful and often haven't yet fulfilled their potentials or their big life dreams yet. So this is where they come to do that. This is where they come to get help. Often building the business empires that their soul wants them to build so they can live the lives that they were born to live. That's the story. That's the story, sister. <laughs> that is the story. My gosh. Oh my gosh. I love all the twists and turns that you've had, all the cheerleaders you've had along the way so who just spoke life into you and like just provided you and just like, I'm mind blown. I'm, oh, I'm I left two things out. I also now I have now have a five-year-old. So I have this like wild range in kids from 31, 30 to five and inspired a lot by the five-year-old and just the vantage point that gives you on human evolution. We are in the process of moving from the Bay Area to Portugal. And I have a real vision of like where, you know, I wanted to be in a place where she could ride horses every day and she could be in the ocean every day and she could still go to progressive schools and have internet and good internet. Cause a lot of our farm by the beach favorite places do not have good internet. Yeah. Like, come on, girls got needs. I need good internet. <laughs> and so it's really like this, it's been a really fascinating life. And it's, I still feel, I mean, I still, I feel like I've lived four lives and I feel like I am literally just getting started. Literally. I mean, yeah. honestly, like that journey, like the amount of lessons and the trajectory that you went through, like all of those different, like occupations and seasons in your life is amazing. So like, what were some of your biggest lessons throughout the journey that yeah. you've learned? <sighs> One of my favorite lessons, I think the overarching arc kind of lesson, I don't know if it's a lesson theme is like unbroken optimism. That's like kind of quintessentially me. I guess here's a way to say that as a lesson. Well, I've learned that, you know, to never believe the media, our brains and nervous systems were not built to take in all of the bad news that's happening everywhere in the world all at one time. They were really wired to take in just what's around us because that's all we can affect. That's all we can actually do anything about is like kind of what's within our reach. Right. So I have learned to be very, I'm very protective of my peace. I've learned to, to take care of my inner well-being first and foremost. I was in the real estate business during the great recession. And I remember being like, I remember becoming, shifting into like witness mode during that time and being like, oh, oh, oh okay, I get it. There are people who will thrive in any economic climate, period. Recession or not, whatever is happening in the world, there are people who will always thrive. And so I became like a student of what it was. And, and I mean, thrive with integrity, not by like being opportunists yeah. or, you know, whatever. And I remember being like, I'm going to figure out what's the thing that separates the ones who do from the ones who don't, because this is likely to happen several times more in a lifetime, just if you look at history, right? Right. And I remember realizing, you know, most of us think, we think that we have to make the exact right decisions. We think we have to have the exact right, right strategy. We think we have to figure it all out and get it right because our culture is a very like perform, conform, produce culture. And the reality is, I think it's like 80% of whether you thrive, in, especially in a time of economic crisis or global crisis, is really about your inner well-being. 
It's do you have the rituals and the practices to stay grounded and clear-minded and keep calm when everybody else is freaking all the way out? Because all of your decisions are not going to work out no matter what. That's just not how life works. So you got to be that person who knows how to tend to their own inner well-being enough to get those daily, like, like those inspired kind of golden thread ideas, those things that put you in the right place at the right time, those things that allow you to not make a decision that doesn't pan out and spiral into shame and be, get stuck there, but instead like make a decision that maybe doesn't play out the way that you wanted it to and always pull out the wonderful insight or learning or progress that you can make as a result of that. So I've kind of, one of my teachers talks about taking the view from the top, like always taking the view from the top. And so that's a real good, I think the two probably best habits of thought that I have are I can find nothing is wasted on me. No thing is wasted on me. No event, no conversation, no bad thing. Nothing, there's no bad things in life. There are unwanted things that you can glean lessons and development from, right? So I, I constantly practice what you can call it reframing, but like taking the view from the top, like what's the highest minded, most noble way I can look at anything. Mm-hmm. And I think my, my other sort of habit that puts me, stands me in good stead in life is I'm incredibly self-aware. I'm very, 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 I've cultivated a lot of, I was very fragile to criticism when I was young. I was a very much a perfectionist. Uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of raised to be a perfectionist. And so all criticism like hurt. And I think now I've cultivated this great comfort level with seeing what needs seeing and saying what needs saying about myself to myself and to my clients and about my clients. And a lot of my clients are, you know, I have several clients who are from venture-backed startup founders. I have clients who are the the top selling realtors in big, you know, metro areas, people who are making millions of dollars in commission every year. And those people don't really have anyone in their lives usually who will see exactly what needs seeing and say it. Right. Um, And say it with love and say it with like a vision for what we're going to do with this information. Right. Not just spraying unfiltered critique. Because if I see something for me, I'm such a potential fulfillment oriented person. I never just see the critical part. (laughs) Like if I see that, I'm like only seeing it because it's like on the path to the, you know, the fulfillment of a greater potential for them. So that self-awareness will get you far in life. hundred percent. My gosh, absolutely. And I mean, that's something that you've cultivated and you've built throughout the years and just like through your lineage, like you mentioned, like being a blesser to others. Now, what's fascinating to me is that you've built this entire organization which is amazing soul tour like it, i just i love that you always target the soul and it's amazing so what has been one of your most profound experiences with like a coaching client or like throughout what you've built because i know there's something magical there for sure I mean, <laughs> you probably do it every day so but the most much. profound one it's so funny cuz i like i could do this all day every day i like i feel it's kind of crazy it doesn't feel like work I actually have to plan. I have to require myself <laughs> to do things that are not work related because I very much could just do this all the time. What's really interesting, you know, cause I teach both, I teach and coach 
a lot of entrepreneurs and, but I often end up being like the spiritual coach to entrepreneurs or the business coach to very spiritual people. Like they all make a lot more money. One time last year, I had a moment where I was like, I had this course I was teaching called the sacred money archetypes. It was like a self-discovery course, but that really was oriented around using the Jungian archetypes to help people understand why they do what they do when it comes to money. Mm. So I like, I had the course and I was like, ah, oh, maybe I need to like reshoot it or like rewrite it or whatever. And I was like, let me just check in with the people who have taken this course and see what, you know, just get some feedback, kind of like focus group style. So I had a week where I did like 12 calls with people who had taken that course, like a six week course. These people, I was like, just taking notes. They were like collectively ascribing about $14 million in increased income to that six weeks. And I was like, I actually shot a video that's an update to the course saying I was going to reshoot this course. And then I talked to people who had taken the course. And now I think it would be like a disservice to anyone to reshoot this course. Yes. Because like, it is so game changing to people. It's very spiritual work. It's very much like shadow work and then self-actualization work. It's not a business coaching course where I'm telling you what to do and accountability and how many calls are you made. It's literally none of that. It's all just like breakthrough work, block removal work. And it's wild. So I love those kinds of stories. I love how quickly people get like wins. Sometimes, sometimes even from like marketing content that I do, people will be like, whoa, I just sold like 250 grand, you know, an extra income I got from this like marketing. I've had people ask me if they could Venmo me because they just felt like they were reading my newsletter and like getting so much out of it. They needed to just pay for it, even though it was like not a paid thing. Wow. So I love that stuff, but I love kind of the most, I love the, the spiritual progress that people report back. So many people talking about healing to their inner critic complexes, you know, so many people having, you know, I have clients who like, got a book deal, lost 80 pounds and moved to a new country in the same year. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So we talk about it through the lens of business and money largely because that's the thing that people can give themselves permission to invest in. And yeah. because, you know, it does make a lot of our work tax deductible <laughs> for our entrepreneur <laughs> clients. Let's be real. I mean, it is, it is business coaching, so that helps. But I love when you know, like the super powerful, powerful, powerful local realtor here in the East, in the Bay area is like, you know, I, my whole life, I lived afraid to die. And as a result of working with you, I'm no longer afraid to die. I'm good. I will, I will do this forever. I will do this work when I'm 95 years old. Like I, I just love it. And so I've always kind of, I think as a kid, I always wanted to be, I always wanted to, or as, you know, as like a young woman, I, I thought it would be so cool to be part of like a secret society of badass boss ladies. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of am now. Like I, I get to be, Soul Tour gets to be the breeding ground for the next generation of business empires that are soul driven and are like alignment first, alignment over everything. This is about learning your own wiring and sacred gifts and callings and talents and what you don't love to do and creating a business and a life that's congruent with that. So like, this is really all I do is teach people how to be 100% of themselves and make a lot of money doing it. And that's like a freaking dream job for me too. <laughs> Absolutely. My God, like that. 
what <laughs> there's no greater power than that are you kidding so it'll help align people with their purpose into the next level of life like i mean and just watch that kind of unfold is unreal and like, that part that part I get to watch the people come in who are like so genius, but so repressed from like years of being taught they have to be a certain way. And I get yeah. to watch all that fall off. It's wonder. And I mean, kids report, they're like, my sex life is amazing. My husband is so happy. I'm doing this business coaching program. <laughs> You're like, I did not know. Thank you. I was oh. like, I, can I use, can I quote you on that? <laughs> that's so amazing well i mean when you're connected when you're in flow when you're in state when you're in alignment it's a whole different thing and right now the world there's people that are searching for purpose people yeah. that are like lost and they really need guidance and i mean like for anybody who's listening what would be your best piece of advice that you have seen help your clients that would potentially help anyone who's you know who's listening to us right now and is kind of like oh i feel like there's something more or I'm lacking yeah. this. No, so like yeah. piece of advice there. The thing that I'm called to deliver, to communicate in this season is to let yourself want what you really want. Let yourself want what you really want. Because it's a really common problem that people present with when they come into our practice that they know they've got greatness within them. They've always known that. And they've had you know goals that they've been setting for a long time that they've not been reaching. And that's like a real issue for them. And they'd like some help breaking through that. And a lot of times what happens is when they come into my practice and the first thing we do, I have this method, the self-mastery method, recalibrate, actualize, align. And so when we recalibrate their nervous system, some of their beliefs, some of their identity, truly like de-chaos their nervous system, give them a sacred pause to stop reacting to the world do a little bit of like reminding them who they really are in terms of like a, a cosmic and universal perspective. Usually what happens is they realize that they haven't been achieving their goals because they actually don't care about them. They're not their goals. They've been many people who have been high achieving for a lifetime have been kind of almost like, you know, in the treadmill of checking the boxes that this culture deems success, but they don't care about this stuff. That's why they're not actually getting there. And honestly, their wise inner being is doing them a big freaking favor by holding them back from creating a life they would actually hate. That's a lot of self-sabotage can be that. So once we get you recalibrated out of the fear program, the scarcity program, the unworthiness program, sometimes trauma, like actual trauma people have experienced is very active in their energy still. Once we help you integrate and come out of that, there's a season that feels very untethering for people because they're like, okay, I don't care about that stuff. I'm not going to do that, but I don't know what to do yet. <laughs> right. and so like, and then who, what do you do when culture, when external validation is not going to drive, be the, in the driver's seat of your life anymore. Right. So then we embark upon some self-discovery and you learn who you are according to your human design. You learn who you are in your young archetypes. And you start to realize your true self begins to get, you know, we train it through some practices and rituals, but your true self starts to feel like you're, you're listening now. And if you let that have that process happen and you can sit still and not give into your, your old patterns, your true self will start to speak up. And most people will begin to download a really beautiful, vivid technicolor vision for the next season of their lives. And it often looks pretty different than they originally thought it would. 
And that's scary to people too. And that's okay. <laughs> Good stuff is scary. So yeah, letting yourself, giving just the idea for some people that they could just actually let themselves want what they really want is pretty revolutionary. Love that. Oh my gosh. You're literally amazing. Like such an amazing soul. I'm like, ah. so we're like, what's up in your world in like the next six months? Like what's happening? What's new aside from Portugal that you mentioned? I mean, Portugal, Portugal, Portugal. My visa appointment is coming up here soon. So that's like very front of mind for me. What else is new? So we have, well, I have multiple book projects in the works. My clients have a bunch of books you know, proposals that are out right now. So I'm excited to see what's happening with them. When we do, so my flagship program is called Empires of the Soul. And we have people in there. There's really like kind of two ways people come in. Some people come in early in their business or before they even know what their business is. So we call them emerging empires. And then some people come in. And so emerging empires is people who everywhere from, I don't know what my business is yet to I'm, I'm actually running the business, but it's not quite yet an engine like not quite yet an engine of profit and transformation. That's our goal for those students. So up to 250K in revenue a year. And then we have the Empires Collective, which is people who are 250K and way, 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 way over per year already. And a lot of those people have beautiful projects they want to do to kind of go from having a business that's got a great engine to also having a beautiful personal brand and a, you know, a book or some deep, you know, a podcast, a way that they tell their, their unique story. So I'm excited about a lot of those programs, a lot of those people's projects. I get to touch them pretty individually. So that's super fun. And then uh, in October, every October, we do an in-person event called Upgrade Your Money and Your Life. And it's like, three days of me in golden sequins and stars and wardrobe changes every four hours while we kind of, you know, just commune and convene and gather and upgrade and raise the vibration. And so that's, that's a good kind of overview of our next six. That's about our next six months. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that. Oh, you should, you should be an upgrade. You're very, you're very us. <laughs> you're so amazing. I mean, I, just, I love all the work that you do, like everything you're doing for the world, just your energy, your spirit. And I'm just like, you're just honored, absolutely honored that you took the time today and Thank like you. everything. But I'm sure that a lot of people listening are going to be like, how do we connect with her? What's the best yes. way to reach you? Yes. Well, just, you know, remember that my job is to help people be them big, be their big selves and do their big dreams before they die. And, and actually to help you dream a better dream, dream a more highly aligned, more highly profitable dream. So if you're interested in like learning more about that or, or, you know, getting some of that energy, expansion energy, come to soultour.com slash affirmations. You can enter your email address. You'll get my transformation Tuesday newsletter that I write every week to just help smart, successful people reach their full potential and build the empires they came here to build. When you sign up on that page, you'll also get this, this quick audio training that is, you know, me telling my, one of my own life stories and, and the moral of the story. <laughs> and it's all about how to breathe new life into your old dreams. And so just, yeah, so come to soultour.com slash affirmations and keep in mind that at Soultour, our flagship program is called Empires of the Soul. It's business mastery, life mastery, self-mastery, and money mastery for transformational authors and leaders and entrepreneurs and people who want to be one of those things. So if you've been waiting for a sign that it's time to let yourself start wanting what you really want, this is your sign. <laughs>
this is the sign. And if you think you'd like my help and my team's help, I invite you to go to soultour.com slash apply. And there's a little application there. You can tell us a little bit about yourself, your business, your vision, your life, who you are, and we'll get on a call with you and help you figure out if we should be working together. So exciting. Oh my gosh. You are an absolute rock star. Thank you. Thank you so so much for having me. This is lovely. You're amazing. Seriously. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode of underdog catch us next week. Always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. Working like some underdogs, underdogs.